0: The journey of recording podcast and recording the stories of individuals who are uh, working in the field of education, alternative education is still on and we are grateful again uh, uh, to all our supporters and the people who crowdfunded this uh, podcast and uh, we are here in Pune and we are recording some of the amazing stories from Pune and individuals who are working in the field of education and today I have Shulbha with me. And uh, Shulva is uh, working in the field of alternative education for last more than 10 years and today we will hear her story. So, thank you. It's raining outside in Pune and uh, Shulva has uh, travelled um, from a long distance. Thank you so much for joining us today and how you are feeling.
1: Thank you so much, out of. Uh- Basically, for inviting me over here because there are very few people who actually follow the alternative path. So, this is going to be like an amazing talk show. So, let's see how it goes.
0: Wonderful. So, let's start how you started your journey into the field of alternative education. Where did it start? How did it start? What is the
1: story Okay, so actually this started uh, long back. So, my journey in education started when I was just 16. Uh, So I was working uh, as a uh, teacher in the same organization where I studied and my sir always felt that, you know, there is a potential, you should try it out. And that is the first year that he gave me directly 12th standard. So when I started that, that was an amazing time because I was just a fresher. I just completed my 12th and I knew so much about the content that he had given me and I was able to deliver. That year was wonderful also for another reason because I had 82 students that time and out of 82, there were about 75 who were above 90. So it was a very big uh, boost for me and I thought that yes, this is something that I can do. After that, I completed my graduation. While completing my graduation and post-graduation, I was still uh, teaching a lot of students, uh, underprivileged students as well. After which I completed uh, my uh, post-graduation in life sciences. And I always felt that, you know, I will get into research work. But uh, somehow my heart was still at education, you know, I couldn't move forward uh, from there. So I thought, okay, let me complete my B.A.D. and let's see where this path leads. Even when I was doing microbiology, I was still doing as an ordinary teacher only. So somewhere I felt that, you know, teaching is my calling. And uh, even if I'm doing any other field, I would always be interested over there. So that's how my journey began. I started with smaller schools. I taught uh, first with a state board school, then moved on to a CBSE, then moved to an IG. So basically, I got, um, I'm got. i thankful that I got experience in most of the boards. Then came the turning point uh, of my marriage and my kid followed. Uh, so, when his uh, education journey was about to start, so, you know, uh, typically in India, we always feel that a child 2 so, start the preschool So, we were similar parents, you know, so we started our journey and um, uh, we were thinking, ki, okay, what is it that we want? Uh, so we sat down we didn't we were not in a hurry honestly to look for a preschool immediately so we started off and we were thinking okay contemplating ki kya education system se. and my husband was like okay since you are there already in the education system let's first jot down what we don't want so we sat down one night and we put down all the points that we don't want and we came to know that most of the points that we didn't want our child to go through were all a part of conventional education. That's when our journey to explore uh, different pedagogies started. And we said, okay, acha we do agar like conventional so and that is something that we don't want for our kid, then it is important that we find alternative. And that time, uh, honestly, we didn't know there is anything existing like a homeschooling or anything. But after that, it, it triggered that thought of, you know, curiosity to find out that, okay, or koi hai jo aisa hamare jaisa sochte aur the odd men out and you know that kind of a thing started off and we uh, started researching then
0: and this this is uh, which time uh, which year 2007
1: 2007 yeah. 2007. Okay. 2007 we started off uh, with this and that time we stumbled upon swashikshan Uh, So, one uh, night when Vinay came back, uh, he said, "Uh, you know what, I found something very interesting. There is some organization called a Swashikshan. And when I read about them, you know, I found that they are all doing self-learning. I was like, wow, this is amazing. But uh, the, the hurdle came up when we were not able to get in touch with anybody. Somehow, we got contact of Urmila Samson. She added us to the group. And when we entered into the group, we just felt like an outcast because the discussions were at a very different level and our questions were very trivial and we started feeling out of place. Honestly, it was very uh, difficult for us to understand what is happening When we spoke to some senior members, they said that no, 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 you are a working mother, uh, you're a working father, you can't homeschooling so that discouraged us even further but we said okay let's let's hold on let's uh, see what happens bacha abhi chota hai uh, kuch, you know his age is not going anywhere <laughs> let's just see how it goes off from there then when uh, we came up uh, with one organization which was called as montessori methods so uh, we went we visited that school and when i visited that school she was like very warm very Uh, nice to talk to that lady Uh, so she explained us what the Montessori concept was from that time I started researching more about it I also took some online trainings on Montessori and I found that the puzzles of the Montessori techniques were very interesting because my kid loved playing with puzzles so uh, what the best part about those puzzles were they were self-correcting puzzles so If a piece didn't fit into, I didn't have to tell him. He could just gauge it by himself that, okay, this is not fitting. So he tried, you know, changing the orientation or something like that. I also found that there was a lot of tactile uh, involvement in those things because everything had to do with pincher grip, everything had to do with kinesthetic mode and that time he was a super, super active kid. So... You, you So, with such a kid, you know, to ask him to stay in one place itself would have been a big challenge. So, we tried out Montessori for quite some time. While uh, studying about Montessori, I also came to know about Reggio Emilia. And uh, I always wanted, I have a very strong inclination towards art. And Reggio Emilia concept also has a lot to do with art. The way they used to arrange the colors. Uh, You know, so there was a particular uh, theme that I had done with him, which I still remember till date was a color theme, wherein they had told that, you know, everything that is of a particular color, you put it all together in a stack. And that helped him understand shades very well. So we started learning about shades. So at that time, when he was like, I think, three, two, he could actually name the shades as well. So that was a very interesting thing just by, you know, identifying only red, but red may be many variations so that idea I really loved of Reggio Emilia. Also, another concept that we stumbled upon was Waldorf, uh, Waldorf was another very strong art integrated because their philosophy was that, you know, every, every concept should be introduced through a blackboard artwork. And that's a very strong teaching point uh, as a teacher, I'm saying. Uh, so that was something that was very interesting because we had that party pencil, uh, you know, so we started using that and, you know, creating art and I used to draw something and my child used to try to imitate. So I never taught him how to catch a pencil. or I never taught him how related exercises because I gave him that, you know, chalk and a uh, slate. He was able to do most of the uh, stuff that way. Uh, Of course, he still hates writing. I mean, (laughs) that's a different story altogether. But uh, that is how it was there. And also another thing that I felt about Waldorf was Waldorf was a lifestyle. It is not just a curriculum. Because they are so close to art. They are so close to nature. They have so much to do with gardening. And we had a huge garden in our house. Uh, So we almost used to plant every or every fortnight, we had some new plant coming up. So he understood, uh, okay, plants grow through a seed. Many children don't understand that, you know, because they think he plants... Uh, so one of a funny incidents that happened just a few days back was I asked one of the kids that, you know, where does this vegetable come from? He said, mall. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong because that's where he's seeing it. So we were lucky that, you know, we had a garden and he could actually... Uh, plant it he could see that it is growing sometimes he saw that the plant is dying also so that gave us a lot of encouragement to do a lot of study outdoor in fact there were very few times that I have ever referred to a book I haven't because I felt nature is such a big teacher so we didn't need that thing you know so you know like curriculums kept blending pedagogies kept coming uh we started you know inquiring i think need is the biggest teacher uh jaise need emerges hoti hai to maza aane hai you know or hum and uh when i was you know thinking about nature i uh, saw one pedagogy which is charlotte mason uh charlotte mason writes beautiful books as to how to use your kitchen garden as one of the important teaching aids so philosophy I started using, which was, I think, a game changer for me. Because my son was an outdoor child. He was very rarely in the house. 90% of the times he was with sticks and he was climbing trees. So with that kind of a background, I felt that if his energies, then And I will have to, you know, be around where he is enjoying the most. And through the garden we came to know. So that time he was absolutely fearless. insect so he started, you know, collecting insects, he started collecting sticks, he started collecting rocks. He's 13, almost reaching 14 now. But he still he still does that. Uh, so that uh, helped him understand more about how insects are. You wouldn't believe, sort of. He used to spend hours just watching the ant, and I used to think, you know, that itra kya hai, you know. And he came up, Mama, you know, when one ant goes here and it is carrying something, you know, so many ants are following. Now they have made holes over here, so this is their house, you know. So all those observations were very rewarding because a it uh, was teaching him a very important skill set that is observation, and plus he was making connections by himself I was not leading him to that so when we talk uh, primarily pedagogical this is what we what we call as constructive pedagogy so constructivist means where the child is making his own connections without any help so that is how our journey was and uh, it still is Uh, of course with time and his age certain things have changed um, and his interests have changed, uh, but yeah, these were predominantly his younger age group uh, pedagogies that we were following. Uh,
0: so while hearing, I was I was also thinking that you have a phase ki ki, when we were shifting from as a as a mainstream uh, parent to the alternative forms. Now I think this is extremely important phase for all the parents when often we find them confused. Um, they want to ship to the alternative but they are feared, they are confused uh, they often make a lot of uh, misunderstanding about homeschooling or unschooling or different pedagogies so I just want to understand right now you are um, working for so long with uh, children, parents the entire community naturally you face this kind of situation as well right? So what, uh, uh, I mean, uh, statement comes from you when you hear such kind of difficulties?
1: So honestly, all their fears, anxiety, you know, sort of are very real, very real. I mean, I wouldn't blame any parent to ask me the same question 10 times because we have been in that state and we have seen how our nights used to be, you know, we, I and Vinay used to have sleepless nights because A, we come from doctor family, both sides. So, you know, the pressure from family itself was so huge that okay, you're doing something against the tide and you know, and somewhere as parents, we don't want to falter, especially with our kids. So, you know, when it comes to parents who are confused, I would uh, strongly recommend that you do what you think is right for your kid very strongly. Community, yes, plays another very important role because Getting the information from the right people is crucial. Having said that, what you research and what your intelligence says, do that. Because no two families can be the same. Like my situation to homeschool was totally different because I came from an education background and I thought ki, this is not making sense to me. But Isa ni bad ka kisi or ka ki a touring job. So you know, we are all coming from different backgrounds. So one suggestion will not be applicable for all. So I strongly recommend that we need to research as parents that what is it that is going to work for my family, my family dynamics, because honestly, we stayed with our in-laws. So you know, we had a support. Uh, We had grandparents who were educated. So they were able to even take care when I was busy for two hours. Like there was still some uh, give and take of knowledge. But Not every family is that privileged, you know. Sometimes they might be staying alone, like only husband, wife and kid. So you need to see what suits. Not that, you know, my kid has not been in a crash. He has because when I was a full-time working mother, so there were circumstances where six, six hours also I had to put him in a crash. But it is manageable because in homeschooling, the biggest part is 24 hours already had. So teaching can happen, learning can happen at any given point. So my strong recommendation to such parents who are an, on this verge, you know, whether they want to choose between mainstream to alternate, I feel just trust your instincts. If something is calling you, that means it's for you. So just take the leap of faith and things will fall in place. And you know, it's like, you know, how we say that universe ko the universe, the universe makes provisions for certain things to come up, you know, you just leave it up to the Lord. Just say that I'm Taking the leap of faith and just trust him blindly, and he will make ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And as you said, you have to do your own research. Can you can you go a little deeper into that? how much Because often we see because the parents are coming from the mainstream, they want to switch quickly. Because fear that the school is sitting So they also want to shift to any alternative form as soon as possible. So what kind of a time or research they need to put into to get the right answers?
1: I think, uh, again, that's a relative uh, thing for each person. But you need to take the plunge only when you are very convinced. And another important thing, your husband and you or your wife and you have to be on the same page. Because if there is a difference of opinion there, one person is convinced and the other is not, it's going to be everyday a fight because you know then we start doing the blame game between ourselves and that is not healthy for the child because you know he is confused na? because mama is thinking different dada is thinking different so what you know wo aur so he confused be confused so first step that are both of you convinced uh, about this concept second how much of research have you done talk uh, have you spoken to people what is the opinion that they have given? What is working for your family? What would be the family dynamics? That is something. And third very important thing which I often tell parents is if your child is old enough, then you should also take the consent of the child. Very important. Because so many times I've seen that parents are taking the decision on their behalf and that's where there is a major problem coming. Because you know, the see in today's generation, we have kept our children so free that they are able to question us that you know I, though I was small but you were big why didn't you stop me or why didn't why did you take such a decision for me we don't want to be in that space ever so it is nice it is a good thing that you know if you think that there is a reason why you want to homeschool your child talk it out with the child and even if they're small I feel treat them as adults you're also teaching them how a discussion happens you're also teaching them a subtle way of problem solving you know Learning about pros and cons. How do you evaluate a situation and take a decision? So even if they're younger, involve them in the decision process. That helps a lot. And we, I mean, our kid was very small. He had no say, poor thing in all of this. But today also when he's grown up and I ask him that, you know, do you want to go back to school? His answer is no. So in my heart, I'm like happy. So tomorrow if he says, Mama, I want to go back to school, will I be okay? I'll be absolutely okay. Because ultimately it's for them. It's not for you and me. You know, so help them out, help understand. And time duration, uh, de-schooling phase. Especially if they were in school and you are coming back to alternate, there has to be a de-schooling phase. Because at least six months is what I would strongly recommend for just the mindset shift. Because your mind is so, uh, you know, focused. See, we were schooled. So, anyway, we know a pattern that we have to do textbook, hoti hai, syllabus complete, karna hota hai, ek exam, hoti hai, usme grades. We have to So, that shift needs to be there because you need to understand that not everything will be taught through books. There will be many more resources that we will be using. So, this takes time. Also, sometimes, like I, 99% of the times, I've seen that older children, if they are out of school, for a good four months, they don't want to do anything because they're so tired or they're so done with the schooling system sometimes that they just want to relax. So let them be. I mean, trust me, that four months can be recovered in like four days also sometimes. So just let them be, let them be ready to take that initiative because now that switch is not only from curriculums, the switch is also from being a a dependent learner to an independent learner. So that needs time.
0: Yeah. And also the parents in that phase becomes a co-learner as well, which is very important. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Okay. Now coming to my next question is, uh, because you have been working with children, parents, and you have gone through different pedagogies as well. What is your take on how children generally learn?
1: Everybody learns differently. Like for some, uh, it could just be, like I said, for my kid, it was a complete outdoor. He never liked book till date also, you know, he says, you read it out to me and I will listen. So uh, basic learning patterns, we all know that, you know, there are auditory learners that are kinesthetic or there are visual learners. Nowadays, we have AV learners as well. In fact, most of us are AV learners. So we need to first a, identify what is the basic mode in which the children are learning Second, you also need to understand that where is their happiness. Like each person has their own happiness quotient. So what is it that makes them happy is what you need to tap first. If you can tap that, then you uh, roll the entire curriculum basis that. Like I'll give you an example. We had a kid who was autistic. I deal with a lot of special kids as well. So he came to me and he was extremely fascinated with with cars. Like, you know, if a car is passing just by its engine sound, he could tell which brand, which model till that depth. Now, when I uh, started teaching him, I found that, you know, math is his um, like okay area, but language was very poor. Now, I started incorporating cars in the picture. The minute I took cars, he could write an essay on it. So that's how, you know, I started doing vocabulary building, all that only through cars. So this is what I mean, you know, if you can identify their happiness quotient and then revolve the curriculum around it, that will increase their liking or say even, you know, their uh, the threshold for which they can sit, that can also be increased. Another very important observation would be their, um, the time is very important. Like see, not everybody is active at the same time. So if we can identify that, okay, morning time, he's lazy and he doesn't want to do, but by afternoon, his learning ability is really, you know, they are very active. That is when we need to tap them. Because you'll often see, like I feel so bad, you know, when I see school children 6.30 in the morning in the buses, half asleep. And they're going to reach school at 8. How do you expect them to be attentive at that time? So let them have a good night's sleep Let's see what is the time period. Like for my kid, uh, personally, he is the most active in the evenings. So after seven, his activity is highest. So I know that even if I'm going to sit for four hours in the morning, nothing is going to go into his head. So might as well I sit from seven to nine in the night. I know that, you know, that's four hours job is going to be done. So that is something that we also need to understand when we are talking about the learning process. Because there are too many elements. It's a very dynamic thing. And it changes from person to person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is a very interesting example that you gave. That children who go to the bus are in sleep. But some are super excited that I'm going to school. Mein ja exactly. na? Very interesting. Okay. Um, okay. So culminating all your uh, uh, interest, experience, what exactly you are doing? You have an academy, you have a center so can you talk a little bit about that and what you were facilitating in that academy
1: so we run an organization exclusively for homeschoolers which is called as sandbox academy uh we started off as a uh physical center a learning space but uh, you know pune traffic so with that uh, long before um, you know covid uh, we switched to hybrid mode uh, hybrid mode meaning Uh, Twice in the week, the children used to come travel from different parts of Pune and they used to come to my center and remaining time, I used to give them activity sheets and I used to meet them online. Uh, That time, WhatsApp call was what I was looking at. Uh, After that, we switched to Zoom. Uh, So when pandemic hit, it was a big blessing because we had our systems in place. That was the major advantage that took place. Now, what we used to do in that system was it didn't have... Uh, so, we still are a bookless school till grade 8. After grade 8 is where we actually start using books.
0: So, it's a school. You were saying it's a school. Uh,
1: it's not really a school. Okay. You can't, it's a learning, space. learning you could space. call it as a learning space. Okay, because we are not affiliated to anything. Okay. Uh, we do have uh, Oxford affiliation from grade 6 to grade 8. But we have just taken it for our convenience because there has to be a progression. So, how we look at it is from grade 1... To grade five, first of all, we don't have grades, we have blocks, which is a mixed age group classroom. So typically a child who is say five and a half to seven and a half, eight is in block one, then we have block two, then we have block three. Now why this uh, particular model is because um, see as learning we are talking about, right? Everybody learns at their own pace. So we don't want to rush a child and we don't want to expedite also. So this mixed age group works brilliant because uh, a child, say, is taking time to understand a concept should not feel judged that suppose if he was in grade two and he didn't know grade one, then that would have become a tagline for him that, oh, he's a slow learner or he doesn't get the concepts very easily. So we don't want that. We want the child to live freely out of all these burdens. So we decided that, okay, let it it be a mixed age group. And also another thing we've learned is children learn from peers very well. So, you know, if an elder bhaiya is putting the same story, children will remember it because bhaiya is told, you know, unlike a teacher. So uh, this uh, worked very beautifully. So the elder kids were helping the younger ones learn concepts. The younger ones were learning a lot from the elders and also teaching them a few things. So what the elders learned, many people ask me this question, what do the elders learn? Like, okay, you learn little children. I said, elders have learned slow down. You have to slow down with slow So this is a very important trait hota hai mein, You know, to just slow down a bit. We are always in a rush. So that uh, helped the elder kids. You know, they came into calmness, they came into responsibility, a gai, you know, so developing empathy happened naturally. We didn't have to take any special lessons for uh, that, you know. So that was one thing. Then from, uh, till, so till grade 5, we designed the curriculum. And most of this curriculum is thematic. Again, another concept which we strongly feel about is that education should not be compartmentalized to subject. It should be free flowing. And everything is related to everything else. So tomorrow if I'm boarding a bus, I should not feel that, oh, am I applying physics or is it Maths. It's everything, right? It's a bit of everything that you're applying. Because when money comes into perspective, you're buying a ticket, you're actually using mathematics. Uh, the way the bus is moving, it's motion, it's physics. So And you're talking to people, so it's language. So we believe that every concept should be integrated and put forth in our child as a package, not as subjects. So till grade 5, there are no subjects. Uh, it's only thematic that we do. Then 6th to 8th, Just recently, we have started doing Oxford curriculum with them because we saw that most of our children are uh, wanting to go abroad and they need a systematic approach because IGCSE curriculum doesn't come like so easily. So it is nice to introduce it at a younger level. But having said that, they still have a flexibility to do NIOS. So that's an option. And grade 8 onwards. So in grade 8, that's our most crucial year. Uh, That's because... We do career counselling at that stage. We don't want any child to go and select a board aimlessly. Because for choosing a board also, there is a method. Uh, It cannot be random selection. Because, you know, if you are going abroad, then not everybody recognizes an NIS degree. So IGCSE is a far more better choice. Also because of the curriculum design. Because they are very research-oriented, very application-based. So, if you foreign, you have understand that you have study application-based study, not, you know, rote learning. That's not going to help. So, that is our most crucial year. We do a proper uh, 14 sessions with the parent and the child. We do squat analysis. We understand where their strengths and weaknesses are. We do brainstorming. We, we finalize sort of like five careers for them and basis that we help them choose the subjects. Once your subjects are chosen, your board is finalized, then their ninth and 10th standard, two years we require to do any curriculum, whether it is igcse or NIS, two years is what we take. And then the child can decide, again, no pressure, whenever they feel ready, six months before that, they let us know that, okay, I think I'm now ready, done a lot of mocks, done a lot of revision, then they will give the papers. That's how we function.
0: Wonderful. Even the name is very interesting, Sandbox. Is there a story behind it?
1: Yes, there is. Uh, So sandbox uh, represents a sandpit, actually. So the idea is that uh, whenever we observe anybody in a sand, uh, what do you see them doing? They'll always try to create something, right? So we wanted our organization where children would be the creators of something tomorrow. So that's why the name sandbox. So the tagline is where imagination takes shape. You know, so that's what we wanted our organization to be. That not just bookish knowledge, but creators of future. You know, so that's the
0: story. Is your own child a part of this uh, academy? Yes. And uh, what kind of a strength you have in this academy? And uh, can you talk about the team members uh, who are taking up different responsibilities? Hmm.
1: So we have about uh, 100 kids now uh, across, like from uh, 1st grade to 12th. Uh, we are looking at, and uh, we are a team of about eight uh, teachers, uh, faculty, my me and my husband included. Uh, so we, uh, so the senior teachers all are qualified uh, with IGCSE as well as uh, we in our own domains are experts in their own field, uh, coming from rich backgrounds in education. Uh, the lower grade teachers uh, are, some of them are homeschooling mums themselves. So they understand uh, the process very well. And also our selection criteria for the teachers is very different. Like we don't ask for resume uh, from them. We ask them to just come and spend a day with us. And see whether they are liking the system. Because uh, A, honestly their experience is not going to matter uh, to us. Because our children are different. And for our children we need different type of teachers. So that's how the criteria is.
0: Wonderful. So, uh... Shulba, tell me one thing that, uh, you know, being in this space of alternative education, there must have been a lot of challenges in your journey. So can you talk about your uh, challenges throughout this one decade of uh, uh, your working time?
1: Uh, so that's why, you know, when we started off, it was like, okay, first worksheets worksheets, then the child did it, then uh, only so it gradually grew to a proper one hour of interaction uh, through a Zoom platform. So that was a stage-by-stage stage progression. But till date also, many parents feel, uh, in fact, you know, with a lot of online schools that have come up, uh, parents always feel the challenge that six hours in front of screen is going to be very challenging, which indeed it is. So when we uh, thought of completely moving to, you know, online space, We uh, did a lot of research in terms of what is an ideal time for a child to sit without actually hampering his, uh, you know, eyesight or his mental well-being. Because mental well-being is very important. Uh, So, we realized that, you know, uh, two hours is more than enough. So, we uh, run an organization right now only for two hours, even till date. So, that was a very thought uh, and research process particular solution that we came up with because more than that if you're doing A. the child loses interest and then because it's a laptop or a digit you know he is going to switch tabs and start playing games and we don't want that. So attention span should be such. Another challenge was that okay when we were deciding on how many subjects should we do per day because sometimes you know a topic used to be so interesting that we used to not understand. So we thought okay not more than two subjects per day should be the target. So that's how we have kept our model and of course it's everyday improvements only. One of the major challenge uh, not related to online schooling but in general with homeschooling community or our children uh, basically is the choice of subjects. Because they come from such diverse backgrounds with so many interest areas sometimes as in a facilitator or provider it becomes very difficult for us to cater to needs of everybody. So, wherein our initial idea was to make an umbrella body, wherein, you know, we provide them everything. Because what I realized as a homeschooling mom, was that uh, when I am enrolling him for different classes, it was getting way too much budget-wise, I'm saying. So, people often have this misconception that homeschooling means paisa bachega, but actually double jata hai. Uh, so, you know, uh, that was uh, why, you know, I had this initial thought that, no, I need to put everything under one umbrella. But uh the flexibility that we want to enjoy as homeschoolers, it was getting very difficult because today a child wants to do a particular subject after two months, he doesn't want to do. So my major challenge till date also sometimes is this choice of uh, so many subjects can get really taxing. At times because we A have to find proper tutors plus they have to meet our criteria because you know they are dealing with homeschooling children. So this is a major challenge uh, which we face as an organization and also with our own kids you know every day their choices change. So um, my one uh, suggestion to parents is that we have to learn to say no at some point that you know it cannot be uh, always changing because that also leads to a very unstable mind. And somewhere we are teaching them that, you know, it's okay to be so finicky. So we need to be uh, putting our foot down at some point and saying, no, this is it that we have decided. Or I'm giving you these six months to explore as many possibilities. But uske you know, come to a decision. Because indecisiveness or, you know, constantly changing is not a good attitude to have. Even when we are talking about their future, you know, tomorrow they are going to be in a job setting or even their own enterprise they cannot keep bouncing off ideas and changing at every point. That way stability will get affected. So this is one challenge that I really wanted to put forth that we need to help them understand, choose in a very informed manner. So yes, choice will be given, but take a proper decision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also when we come to digital education, yeah, online school, you know, there are a lot of things that that are coming from a very fixed mind, very blocked or closed mind that, you know, online schooling means only uh, learning through the screen. Hmm? So can you also uh, throw some light on this key? What exactly does uh, digital education or online school mean? And it is, that's also a possibility.
1: Yeah. So, One major advantage which I feel with uh, digital uh, education is the world is coming closer. Uh, So in our organization, we have kids who are from Malaysia. We have them from Dubai. We have from Philippines as well. Now, there is so much of cultural interchange that happens between the kids. Like I'll give you an example. We had an Independence Day celebration where the kids attempted to do a documentary this time. And the kids who were in Malaysia, it was the very first year of their 12 or 13 years that they were in Malaysia. First time they Indian Independence Day. They didn't know So, you know, it was a very nice give and take where the children were telling the story to the friend. That, Are you don't know, wait, I'll tell you. You know, so it was nice. And then uh, another kid is from Indonesia. And Indonesia ka happens to be in the same week that ours is. So he started sharing ka story. So it was a very nice cultural exchange that happened. Another kid who was in, uh, I think they are in Doha. Uh, where they had a they have one week of festivity where everybody is on street and they are doing so you know she was t- she took her video camera and you know she was showing the children how those processions are happening what are the different songs that they are singing they they have a typical dance step that they do so children were able to watch all that you know sitting in pune or wherever they are so i think this is such a great way of learning Because you're not just learning about your own culture and your own thing, traditions, but also from outside. So it was a very nice thing to see and where kids are helping each other to understand each other's cultures or their job setting. Like uh, just last week, we had this one discussion about how job settings are changing today. And our elder kids were participating in this debate. And we were just trying to understand what do they think about it. And that time, you know, they were saying, you know, in here, the work culture is not like that. It's a typical 9 to 5 kind of a job setting. And then work-life balance is so maintained. And here, it is not maintained. You know, like, it was such a healthy discussion that was happening. I think this is only possible in a digital forum. Because how many times can somebody from uh, Dubai or, uh, you know, Philippines, travel to India and share all this? So that's not possible. Another thing that I feel became a major boon for us was our teachers are scattered across so we could choose the best of best for our children because they don't have to travel so today our teachers are from goa they're from chennai one of our teachers is from us as well who is connecting with us online so this flexibility also our children are enjoying another thing that i feel today the world is moving towards digital age and uh, in fact we are in the digital age today so with that, we can't shy away and say that, no, I don't want my child to do this, you know, because they it's a part and parcel of their life. It was not in our time. If it was at our time, I'm sure, weren't we glued to our TV sets? We were, no? So today they are glued to their mobile phones because that's available. Tomorrow their children may be glued to something else that is going to come up. So we can't move away from that. But let's try to look at it as a positive thing. I'll give you another example that we use very strongly. That is, we have started incorporating use of XR in our teaching patterns. Now, how does that help? Like, see, our children are not uh, having lab facilities. Uh, Sometimes they do. In some cities, labs are available. Like in Pune, we have Muktangan, who is a great source uh, and provides these lab facilities, but not every city has that. So, uh, we tied up with a German company uh, and uh, they are providing us uh, a virtual reality setup where I can convert this very space into a lab and the child actually has to walk with their device pick up a forcep and do it it's all in the virtual space so exactly the way they would have done otherwise in a lab setting so all these things are there plus I can use like 3D imaging technology wherein you know I'm uh, showing them in and out of the plant cell and I can switch dimensions So, the child is able to see 360 view of a plant cell, which otherwise on a plain paper, when you're using books, you're seeing only a 2D image. So, I think these are certain very great advantages that we can use and incorporate in our learning patterns today. And ultimately, our world is, you know, uh, going to be headed in this direction only. So, better is that we start getting equipped to use it.
0: And, and the best example that you said you, you were already using a combination, a hybrid mode even before COVID. So <clears throat> the world understood that, you know, we need to find solutions when we have difficulties. We cannot deny. And uh, we, it's it's not needed that we have to wait for the extreme to adapt. We can slowly adopt from, so that the pressure, you know, which is a wonderful example and you have been doing that. So... Uh, Okay, another thing that you mentioned uh, uh, some time back that uh, you are doing uh, some kind of a, uh, what to say, uh, AQA, AQA of Oxford. Uh, And uh, can you explain that? Because uh, somehow I missed that part and we need to uh, understand that.
1: So right now what we did is uh, from grade 6 to 8, we adopted uh, Oxford International Curriculum. Now, Oxford, uh, you know, is a brand in itself. So Oxford uh, University Press was an organization which was completely into books and, you know, literature, all those uh, things that they do. And Oxford AQA is basically a tie-up between AQA and Oxford. Now, what was AQA? AQA is like, uh, if I have to give you a very simple example, like in India, NTA is the National Testing Agency. That means any examinations that will happen have to happen through NTA, like that in UK. If any examinations have to happen, then they have to happen through AQA. So AQA is an examination body. So AQA ne Oxford ke tie up kar liya. So unke alliance ko ban gaya AQA Oxford AQA. Now what is Oxford AQA planning to do? A they are trying to be a um, you know addition to IGCAC and Pearson Edexcel jo aapne abhi existing hai we will have another option which would be Oxford AQA. Now what Oxford AQA is, how is it different than IGCSE? One thing is that Oxford AQA believes that a child should not be tested on language skills. Now why am I saying this? Is because if you look at today's IGCSE papers, you would understand that even if the child is giving a math paper, his language command command Otherwise, he is not able to solve. So they are Actually testing language skills and then the uh, subject skills. So Oxford believes that that should not be the case. It should be that, you know, we should be testing them on subject knowledge. So that's why what they did, they made a depository of 3000 words, which would be a normal vocabulary. And those 3000 words have used to make their textbooks. So the language is so lucid. It is so easy to comprehend that a child will understand the question. So If he knows his concept, he will be able to answer that. That is one advantage. So, for uh, second language speakers like us, we are not native lang- English speakers, right? So, for us, it's a very big advantage. Another thing is huge subject choice that they have given. One of the best subjects that I love teaching in uh, OIC, that is Oxford International Curriculum, is well being. Right from grade one, they have prescribed syllabus for well-being, which is a very important um, skill to have in today's time. Because we are leading a stressful life and for the children to understand how to cope with their own emotions is extremely important. Another very beautiful subject that they have come up with is global skills. So how to make your classroom into a global classroom is what we've learned from them. You know, where incorporating different cultures, different scenarios from different across the world is at your feet. And so the case studies that we do with the children are from different scenarios across the world. So the children are understanding global level pay, economics, kaise run karta hai, trade kaise hota hai. So all these things are incorporated. And third important subject is sustainability. Again, a very, very important concept. And the, I'll give you an example of one of my favorite experiments that they do is understanding commons for a one first grade child. How would I teach him that? So they said that, okay, you and I are sharing a bench. So this is a common property for you and me. So that means this world is a common space for you and me. So how much care we should take? It's such a simple concept. Like, I But it was very important. And then they diverted it to, you know, how different cultures emerged and how language came into being. So it was a beautiful study that we took up for 12 weeks.
0: Mm, Wonderful. So this this is going to come in the future as uh, another board.
1: Yes, yes. So they are uh, already doing their beta testings. Uh, We've been a part of their testings where they want to do it also. Uh, digitally so children from anywhere would be doing a proctored exam so your eyeball movements would also be traced and uh, there is no chance that you can switch tabs so you know there's no scope of copying because it's going to be an online examination so it is very important that we understand that it has to be a fair assessment so they are taking all the necessary things and they're testing it out they're also testing the levels that are going to suit our Indian children basis you know if they are coming tomorrow from any other board will they be able to adapt so they are also coming up with some bridge courses for that so it's a wonderful thing it's in the pipeline so god willing by 25 we should be able to see oxford eqa come up
0: so i think we have covered a lot of things lot of takings and uh, uh, finally when we come to alternative education i think one of the most important parts uh, are the resources as you said so let's end the podcast with uh, some resources. And the idea uh, what you shared is that uh, not only resources, which are like the books or the links, humans are very important as resources. So let's have on that. Right. Yeah. right.
1: So uh, first thing, as we started this podcast, we discussed that it is very important that we do our own research. For that, I would strongly recommend that any parent who is wanting to get into alternate education should read John Holt's series. They He has about six to seven different odd books that are there, uh, which are on how to teach your own, how do children learn, Understanding the basics of homeschooling is something very important. Apart from them, there are many other homeschoolers who have written their blogs, who have their own podcasts, who have uh, shared their journeys. Uh, you should enroll uh, or you know subscribe to those YouTube channels or podcast uh, series and listen to them. Because the more we listen, kahi we see them. And then I know that this situation is a very And then when you find that person, follow that person and uh, talk to that person. Make an attempt to get in touch with them because it's very important, as I said, that your journey is very difficult. You will seek it. You will not be able to see it. But at least you know that this is how she dealt with it. So that works very beautifully. Apart from this, I think there are. Tons and tons of free resources that are available online for homeschoolers, which I think they should start exploring first. And worksheets, books are not the only things that you should do. Visit libraries, visit gardens, visit museums. Every travel of yours can be an excellent learning resource. So incorporate that in your lifestyle and then you will see a lot of change. So these could be some of the starting points. And then, you know, the journey unfolds itself.
0: Great. So, the rain has stopped finally. So, thank you so much, Shulva, for uh, joining us today, sharing all your knowledge and experiences with us. And I hope when the listeners will listen, they will have a lot to learn from your uh, experiences. And uh, especially on our journey, we are are grateful. I mean, uh, the way we planned this podcast series, we got crowdfunding, I think uh, uh, this was destined in a way that we are going to collect so many amazing stories. And somehow, maybe not today, maybe not in this year, maybe in the future, you know, this podcast will have some sort of a value for others to learn, to understand and also to connect. That is more important. So thank you once again, everyone. And thank you, Shilwa, once again for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Thank you so much.